Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Hi, everybody. Well, it's great to be with you this Sunday night. You can feel winter in the air and I hope you're enjoying it. We're going to get straight to it today. And I just do want to remind you, Brian will bring it up in the conversation. Remember that uh, across the week, there's all sorts of ways to connect with the book of Mark and from our Sunday morning series. And I think it's going to be really, really helpful, really build deep into your life. So check that out. I'm sure you'll get an update and I'd love you to be part of, part of that. You're going to see an image on your screen from one of the great movies of all time, Back to the Future. In the centre of this shot is Marty McFly, the man who went from what was the current day back to 1955. He's standing with Doc, and Doc was the man who created the DeLorean time machine. And on the other side of him is his mother, who back in time is roughly the same age as him, and is my original early teenage movie crush. And so I wanted to show you that, and don't really know why, apart from we're talking about Back to the Future. What happens with Marty McFly in Back to the Future is he leaves the present day, he goes back, and when he emerges back into his current day, which at that time was 1985, when he emerges back, everything's the same. The place he lives, the people in his um, world, the school he goes to, who, you know, so much is the same, and yet everything had changed. And what had changed was not the surroundings, but what had changed was who he was, and more than who he was, who his father had become as a result of what had taken place. And in the change in his dad, that internal change in his spirit had had a ripple effect right through their life that saw them when he returned, positioned for a future they hadn't previously imagined. Well, thinking about your life, thinking about my life, we've been kind of in lockdown or shutdown, whatever you want to call it. I like to call it hibernation. Sounds nicer. Hibernation, whatever's been going on, as we emerge from it, it's possible that some people are going to go, we're all kind of going back to the future. You know, it's going to press go and, and things are going to open up and then things will go back to the new kind of normal. Uh, things will, people will go to the same places amongst the same people, live in the same homes, all that kind of thing. Some COVID things will have changed it. But for a lot of people, they're just going to return or drift into business as usual. And I wonder, I wonder if that is the best thing that you and I can do with our lives, just get swept along and drift back to business as usual. I wonder if that's even what you want to do. More than that, I wonder if that's in your best interest. I can tell you for sure that for me to drift back just to the way it was is definitely not in mine, not in our churches, not in my families, not in our best interests. There needs to be some change going on. And I'm sure that your life is the same. And we want to go back to the future uh, with some change going on. More than those questions is this question. Does God really want you to go back as we step into the future the way we came into this shutdown? Really, is that, God, is that looking at your life the way it is, as good as whatever it is? Is it really the way it was, the way God wants you to emerge from this? 
One of the things that's making pastors nervous in some fronts is that people are going to drift away. Well, I tell you what, I think the opposite should be happening. There should be something of a stirring going on in you in this season, on in me, that, that as we spend time with God and as we feel the void of His church, that we don't go cold in our heart, but we recognize just how much we need each other, just how much we need His Spirit, just how much we need His Word and that to go on in you. And that's what I'm believing is going to take place tonight. If you're nervous about this, you should stay in the room with me and you should hold onto your chair because God is going to attempt to do a work in you tonight. He's going to attempt to grip your heart. He's going to attempt to bring change. He's going to attempt to do something in our lives that repositions us for our God-appointed future. He doesn't want us to go back the same. And so, you know, I'm partly, I'm excited about it. I listen to people talking about the change that's already happened in them, especially spiritually. I'm hearing lots of stories. I hear about the change that people are intending to make in their new rhythm and their new priorities around God and, and His cause and just their life in general, better for their family, better for themselves, all that kind of thing. And so I'm, I'm super excited. I genuinely am for that. I'm a little bit nervous that it becomes like a New Year's revolu- resolution, like a blip for some people and they drift back. But I'm confident that God, for those of us who believe and, and are curious, that we would say, if we'll stay open, that God's going to do a good work in us in this season and we emerge, emerge from this period different. We emerge from it changed in the best possible way. And so with that all in mind, I want to bring you to part two tonight. As I ask you, how are you going to emerge into your back to the future? What's it going to look like? How's it going to be? I'm praying that something radical goes on, something revolutionary is going on in you. For those of you who sort of, let's be honest, your life's half lived for Jesus. I'm praying something go on in you through this time. For those of us who are curious about God and haven't made a decision, I'm praying it becomes so obvious to you of who God is and what Jesus has done, all He calls you to and the future He has planned. So let's talk back to the future and let's talk about what's next. To talk about what's next, we, got to, we need to refer to last week because last week I spoke to you about um, how God has given us the power to choose. This, this powerful and sacred gift that God risks everything by putting it in our hands, this power to choose, this sacred and powerful gift of free will, this ability to choose and make decisions that He's placed in our hands. And, and we talked about the idea that in my life, there are decisions that are for me to personally make and to individually own. And how in your life, there are decisions, in fact, every decision that you make is yours to personally make and individually own. Decisions are ours to make and they're ours to own. We can outsource them, that becomes our decision. We can blame others, that becomes our decision. They're ours to make and ours to own. And that has incredible potential. That has incredible power if we will take hold of our power to choose, our ability to choose, our um, ability to choose will and what we will do with our lives. And so tonight we're going to come to that kind of decision in the best possible way because it has potential in your life and it it could be pivotal to your future. They're the kinds of decisions we're going to make in this series. So here's, here's where we start. Today I want to bring us to a decision on the spirit we live with the spirit we live with. Next week, I want to be super practical. This week, I want to talk into, I want to talk about the spirit that we live with. Because as we will see, the spirit we live with 
sets up our future story. Uh, a better way to put it might come on the screen is it's positioning our life for its God-appointed, or positioning our life for its God-appointed future takes living with a different spirit. It does. It takes living with a different spirit. I've been watching um, something that sports fans would love, The Last Dance, the Chicago Bulls and their six championships. I tell you what, as an athlete, it becomes apparent that Michael Jordan, as an athlete, lived with a different spirit to almost everybody around him. And it made a whole lot of difference. When it comes to life, there are people, there are those rare people who live with a different spirit. And God calls us to live that kind of life. Listen to it as we go to the Bible. We're going to go to Numbers chapter 14, and I'm going to read from verse 24. It's speaking about a scenario where um, um, God's people have been given a promise. They retreat from it. But in the midst of those retreating from it are these two men who make a stand. And one of them is a guy called Caleb. And the Bible says this about him. Verse 24, Numbers 14. But my servant Caleb, this is a different story. He has a different spirit. He follows me passionately. In most versions, it says wholeheartedly. And I like that. It says more than passion. Follows me wholeheartedly. Um, he's fully devoted to me in some versions. It's talking about nothing left out. It's like all in with God. I'll bring him into the land that he scattered and his children will inherit it. Now, the backstory is God makes a decision that no one else is going into the promise he gives. But he says, listen, when it comes to Caleb, when it comes to Caleb, he will inherit everything I promise. Why? Because he is a different spirit and he will have a different story. And I want us to think about that. It says here, Caleb is a different story, first of all. It doesn't say Caleb has a different story, although it goes on to say Caleb has a different story. It says Caleb is a different story. And that's interesting. Well before you and I can have a different story, the key is to be a different story. And to be a different story has a different story and it comes from living with a different spirit. I, I hope you catch that. And I wonder right now, is the spirit in you, is it able to be said by God that you are a different story? Because there is incredible potential and unfathomable power as God moves in your heart and through your life. Are you a different spirit? Caleb is a different story. That's what he is. And it's a present tense. It's not about the future to come. He's a different story here and now, and that's going to make all the difference on what's to come. And I think that's where God wants to bring you to tonight. Caleb is a different story in who he is. I've written it like this. He's not trying to be anything. He's not trying to impress anyone. He's not trying to create a platform or a profile. He's, he's living for an audience of one. His name is God. And that's who he's living for. He is a different spirit. And there is something about him. And you, you can read the pages of Scripture and you even sense it. I, as I read this passage a few times tonight, you'll, you'll get the sense that there's something about Caleb. And for us, we choose the spirit that we live with. It's all in your hands. Right now, in this moment, in this very second, at my next breath and your next thought, in your hands is the power to choose the spirit that you live with. And as you step up and choose that you're going to be a different story from this moment, that will open up to you a God-appointed story in your, in your future, living with a different spirit. Caleb's a different, he is a different story. And Caleb has a different story. And we read about it in the verses all around it. I, I want to read it to you. 
um, because it's so important that we understand the power of a different spirit as it relates to our God-appointed future. Verse um, 20. This is, a, this is talking about Caleb's peers. What are your peers doing today? Where are your peers at today? This is talking about Caleb's peers. It says, verse 20, The Lord replied, speaking to Moses, said, I have forgiven them like this, Caleb's peers, as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I, uh, I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times, not one of them will see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. And then it goes on and says, but because my servant Caleb lives with a different spirit, and here we see the difference. Caleb is a different spirit. And as a result, he has a different story. In the verses immediately, we see something. We see that God is kind. He extends saving grace to them, but he doesn't extend enabling grace to them. God extends to them forgiveness, but he, they, in the process, they sacrifice their future. God extends it to them. In their heart, it was God this far and no more. And that became defining for them. But Caleb was a different spirit and he was a different story and his story became a different one. At first, as Caleb makes decisions, there's nothing. I mean, nothing changes. You can look at his peers and you can look at Caleb and everything's the same. Everything, Caleb would appear to have no advantage at all. At first, that's the story. And in time and for years to come, it appears that there is no difference between Caleb and his peers. There's just no difference. He's living with a different spirit, but he hasn't got a different story. But after what seems like a lifetime, we see this passage here and there's a divergence of their story because of the spirit in the peers and the spirit in Caleb. And I don't know where you're up to today, but I know this about God, that as you determine and I determine to live with the kind of spirit we see here, there is a divergent of paths in terms of what goes on in our life, the favour upon our life, um, the peace in our heart, uh, you know, the goodness of God in our lives. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a zillionaire, but I tell you what it means, you'll be right in the centre of God's appointed purpose for your life and there's no better place to live than right there. It secures eternity that's coming at us fast and God's got your future in hand, in time. Wow, what a difference their lives were over the course of time. Uh, it took more than a year. It took more than a decade. Actually, it took more than two decades. But in the course of time, the promise of God came to pass in Caleb's life. The legacy of Caleb's life extended to his family, to his kids and to his grandkids. What they received as a result of the kind of man of God that he was, was incredible. The legacy he seeded in their lives for a, you know something to go on beyond him was incredible. And I think that's the kind of spirit we want to live with. Let's live with a different spirit and let's set up for a different story. So Caleb is a different story. Caleb has a different story because Caleb lives with a different spirit. And I want to spend the rest of our time talking about that. The different spirit that he lived with, what set him apart in his spirit. To do that, I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 3 because uh, the spirit in Caleb and his peers is articulated or in his peers is articulated in Hebrews chapter 3 and is kind of um, captured in Numbers 13. And we're just going to read Hebrews 3 tonight and a portion of it. Listen to what the Bible says. So as the Holy Spirit says, 
today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. Now, it wasn't even them. It was a different generation that says, where your ancestors tested and tried me. Their hearts are always going astray. And it goes on. And right here we see, as it talks about actually Caleb's peers, we see the distinction in the difference in spirit. Talks about how they hardened their heart. They actually became, you know, when, when, when your life's over and they summarise your life, they are remembered as being those who hardened their hearts and went astray. It's kind of the sum up of their generation. And the difference between them is simply this. Caleb's peers hardened their heart and Caleb lived wholehearted for God. That's it. There are a whole lot of other things went on, courage and cowardice and, you know, we could write the list. But bottom line, I don't want to get distracted with that today. Bottom line is this. They lived hard-hearted towards God and he lived wholehearted towards God. Half Hard-hearted um, is, is hard to kind of get your, not, not to get your head around, we get it, but I don't know that it goes deep. I think we understand it in our minds. Hard-hearted is to, to, to um, really say to God, I'm shut down. You, you hear something on a subject, you know, maybe you're young and single and the Bible talks about um, sexual purity until we get married. And, and what we do, harden our heart, what does that look like? I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like shutting down what we know to be true about the Bible to go away and act in a behaviour and way that is sin or inconsistent with it. Uh, hardening our heart is hearing what the Bible says about generosity, generosity and God honouring and generosity towards the poor. To hear that and to harden our heart is to shut down to it and go a different way. That's hardening our heart. And I wonder in your life, because this is the difference at the bottom line. This is the bottom line difference in their spirit is that they hardened their heart. That's what the Bible says. And he lived wholehearted. Are you inclined in areas of your life or at moment, in moments in time to shut down God and just keep him at bay? Or are you there to go wholeheartedly with him and to step into your God appointed future? That's the difference between them. So here are some thoughts. On it because this is massive. This is, this is massive in our lives. In the end, it will be defining because at some point where their will collided with God's will, they chose to shut down to God and to live for themselves. And, and you and I, we come to those decisions and what we do with them becomes pivotal and what we do with them has so much potential. Wholehearted. Here are three factors in developing a different spirit or living with a different spirit. Number one, really obvious. It's a heart thing. Number one, it's a heart thing. Above all else, Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart because out of it, out of your spirit comes, uh, everything flows, that life flows. Above all else. I wonder what's above all else for you and saying, hey, th this is big. This, this is pretty well above everything. If you'll just guard your heart and then uh, above all, but then guard your heart. What would you keep a close guard over? When we were younger in our marriage, Brian kept a close guard sometimes over chocolate. Brian will share anything. If you know Brian, she's one of the most generous people you ever met. But don't go too far on the chocolate. You could eat more than her share. You could take more than her share of money, more of her share of time. But if you take more of her share of the chocolate, you can be in trouble. It's 
what you would guard. What are you careful to guard? Your privacy, your job, your reputation, your bank balance, your wife, your children, that'd be good. Your husband, that'd be good. Um, you, yourself, your time, what are you careful to guard? The Bible says above all else, guard your heart for life flows out of it. Everything you do. A different spirit is a heart thing before anything. So I put here, a different spirit is a heart thing before everything. And Caleb's heart positioned him. That's what it did. Where his heart was up to, what his heart was going after positioned him. And so does mine and so does yours. That's number one. Number two, a different spirit lives all in. Again, it's, it's a heart all in. It lives all in. Listen to Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. In some versions, all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus strips it back. Same point, same time he raises the stakes. And he says this, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, or love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And he leaves the big four with the heart because he knows that the heart matters. 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord reigns throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. His hearts are fully committed to him. He's looking for those people. He's, he looks across the earth and he sees those whose hearts are fully towards him. And the Bible says he strengthens them. A different spirit is a heart thing. And it's a heart thing that leads all in. I've shared this quote before, but I love it so much. I want to read it to you tonight. It's from the um, French general Napoleon Bonaparte. He says this about Jesus and the heart. Across a chasm of 1800 years, Jesus Christ makes a demand which is beyond all others difficult to satisfy. He asks for that which a philosopher may often seek in vain at the hands of his friends or a father of his children or a bride of a spouse or a men of his brothers. He asks for the human heart. He will have it entirely to himself. He demands it unconditionally and forthwith his demand is granted. How wonderful. Oh God, ask for your heart tonight. All of it completely. Have you ever worked with someone whose heart wasn't all into a thing? They can do the same job, but if their heart's not all in it, I was an apprentice carpenter for, well, the best part of two years. I was the worst apprentice carpenter the world has ever seen. Good work ethic, hopeless ability. One day I'm working on a job with my uncle and he says, do you really hate this so much, Darren? And I said, is it really that obvious? And he said, yes. Thought this is a problem. And so I finished. My heart was never going to be in it. But there are other people who love it. In fact, they go to work all day, working as carpenters and then go home in the afternoon and disappear to their shed and keep doing their hobbies. Their heart's in it. God asks us to give us all of his heart. Um, our hearts being in a thing makes a difference and what's in our heart makes all the difference. God asks for the heart and that's the spirit that lives. That's the kind of different spirit that builds a different future. Here's the next heading. A different spirit lives surrendered at the core and on the fringes. At the core and on the fringes. This quote, Jesus' gospel is not something that simply touches the edge of our life. It's something that changes us at the very core of our being. So true. Book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, coming on the screen that says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in even without thinking. Instead, 
Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Isn't that a great thought? Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And the Bible says it this way as well. Bring your life as a living sacrifice to God. A surrender at the core. But I want to spend a few minutes really focused on surrender at the fringes. Because this is massive in living with a different spirit. It says, my servant Caleb is a different story. He has a different spirit. He follows me wholeheartedly. No, an empire, no matter how strong at its core, with whispers of resistance on its fringes, has frailty. It doesn't matter how great the empire is in history, the Roman Empire. If it's, if it's strong at the core and weak on its fringes, it, it has a vulnerability. Apart from the vulnerability, it's limited in its expansive capacity because it's dealing with and limited by the vulnerability, the exposure, the uprising on the fringes. And as it is with the empires of people, so it is with the heart of man or the heart of people, is that we can be strong at the core, but when there are unsurrendered things on the fringes, that creates a vulnerability for us. That creates a vulnerability that can creep in and it creates a limitation on what can happen beyond what is. What's both going on. And God wants to own the fringes as much as He has the core. I've written it like this. The unsurrendered fringes contain unseen risks. A person can know a measure of favour. I want you to listen with me if you're a believer in Jesus. A person can know a measure of favour and blessing that can lead them to think that the unsurrendered fringes are inconsequential. You can live with a measure of blessing and favour of God gracing your life that, that can cause us to think that what's going on, the unsurrendered fringes, that they don't matter, but they're not inconsequential. They never, ever are. The unsurrendered fringes contain risks in this. A person can realise too late that their unsurrendered fringes have limited their God-appointed future. They realise too late that this was never all that was meant to be. And I'm not sure if there's anything creating anything in you, but, but they're like invisible ceilings on the God-appointed future he's a, He has for us. The unsurrendered fringes contain unseen risks in this. Something on the fringes can take us down. It can take us out. The unsurrendered fringes contain unseen risks in what happens next or down the track. How are you going on the fringes of your life? Is there anything unsurrendered that you wouldn't want to become known? That's a pretty good indicator for us. Is there anything at all? Unsurrendered unforgiveness, unsurrendered selfish ambition, unsurrendered habits that hurt, unsurrendered behaviour, unsurrendered finances, unsurrendered temptation that exposes us, unsurrendered fear that holds us back, unsurrendered uh, desire, the desire to be desired, unsurrendered, the need for recognition, unsurrendered, a thing God calls us to and we just won't go there, unsurrendered, which is what happened to Caleb's peers in their time. Living with unsurrendered fringes is high risk and is limiting for our future. Humanity has a tragic history of it, but there's also the great stories in it, the Caleb's of the world and the Joshua's and the Daniel's and the Ruth's and the David's. And we could go on with the list and, the, and on. What will it be for you? Because there's unrivaled potential in you. There is right now that it was in Caleb and it's in you. 
living with a different spirit that sets up our story. Here's where I want to wrap tonight. A different spirit lives with conviction. Different spirit lives with conviction. I sat with a single parent this week, making their stand on, you know, the Word of God and things that God says and, 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 and you know, it means making some hard decisions. But I tell you what, that conviction is powerful in their lives. Got a text from a businessman this, this week and, and he'd made a decision that, you know, convenience would have made him a lot of money, but actually conviction meant that, he, that, that he'd have to, well, he'd be very limited. He'd miss out on a big windfall. But you know what? Conviction was powerful in his life. And conviction is something that Caleb had to the core of his being. He started out with a conviction about the promised land of God. He, he walked through his life in conviction every step. When his peers were faltering, when his peers were just living self-interested lives, when his peers were going their own way, when his peers were falling away to the side, Caleb lived with a conviction that ran deep in him. In fact, the passage we read about their hardened hearts leaves us this encouragement at the end. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ. If indeed, listen to it, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. Oh, the power of conviction in your life and mine. It really sets us up with a different spirit. Don't harden your heart. Hold on to our original conviction firmly to the end. So as I wrap, I just, want to, I just want to help you set up to live with a different spirit and one that has conviction to the core of our being. Here are the four things that help us do it. Number one, get clear on conviction. What does the Word of God say? What does it say? Get clear on conviction. What's the promise God's placed in your heart? Get clear on conviction. I write it down. I memorize the passage. I read them daily. Whatever I need to do, that's what we want to do. What's the conviction you need to get in this season of life? I reckon get clear on conviction. One great conviction as you, we, you know, as the world opens up would be Hebrews um, chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 about the gathering of God's people. Why don't you get that into your spirit? Why don't you let that conviction get clear and be deep in our lives so that when voices come and other things come and there's a conviction that you stand on because you live with a different spirit. Number one. Number two, conviction determines no compromise. Like the stories I just mentioned, no compromise. You know what? Caleb's peers sacrifice conviction. I've written it like this. Conviction that has a price tag is nothing more than a commodity with a trade value. Conviction that has a price tag can be traded is nothing more than a commodity with a trade value. Oh, let's get no compromise going on in our conviction. Let's have God stirring us. God will stir us. He'll stir me. He'll stir you. And then the fourth thing and the final thing is simply this, is us rallying conviction. Get clear, no compromise, determine that in our spirit. God will rally us, God will stir us. But then he asks us to rally that same conviction. That's what Caleb had to do. Sometimes the conviction was clear. Sometimes he just had to make a stand. Sometimes it would have been God stirring it in him. And other times it was him rallying his own spirit to it. So as I wrap right now, I wanna ask you tonight, are you ready to make a decision? It's yours to make and yours to own that you, will live with a different spirit, a spirit that God calls us to and positions us for our God-appointed future. God bless. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. 
So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.